Israeli democracy in danger? As judicial reform is discussed in the Knesset's halls, we at the Times of Israel are taking a journey probing into what are the country's current checks and balances and what could be the consequences of potential new legislation. Are we headed for a tyranny of the majority or rather implementing much needed legislation? Join us as we explore these issues with top Israeli legal experts in this Limited Times of Israel podcast series, Israel's Judiciary, Reform or Ruin? Hello, everyone. Welcome to this seventh episode, which is drawn from the second session of a Times of Israel live-streamed event on the topic of judicial reform that took place on December 15th at the Israel Democracy Institute in Jerusalem. In this episode, attorney and rabbi Noah Satat speaks on how minorities have utilized the high court to broaden their civil rights. Noah, who is the executive director of the Association for Civil Rights in Israel, or ACRI, says she is often disappointed by rulings but staunchly defends the right to seek them. Times of Israel editor David Horowitz introduces Noah and asks some follow-up questions. Future episodes will include remarks from additional speakers about specific cases of using a tactic of strategic litigation to broaden human rights. And now to our final speaker of this, uh, this event, Noah Satat, the Executive Director of the Association for Civil Rights in Israel who's going to speak, among other matters, on how minorities, or how you have acted, I suppose, on behalf of minorities, uh, utilizing the High Court to broaden civil rights. Noah took the helm of ACRI, the Association for Civil Rights, in November 2021, so like a year. She's an ordained reform rabbi and spent the past 20 years leading nonprofits in a struggle for LGBTQ rights, religious freedom, gender equality, and against racism. So, Noah, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, first I want to... I talk about the framework. So we are very much focusing on the, on the override law or bill, but actually what this government is agreeing on or the coalition agreements are elaborating is a full range of uh, limitations on the judicial power. So the override clause, while it's central and will have devastating effects, is a single part of a much larger plan to limit the power of the attorney general's to uh, reduce the availability of the court to, to civil rights organizations, to change the nomination process of justices. And so I think that the whole scope of what we're talking about is a full, is a full revolution uh, undermining uh, any judicial independence. And so I think that our audience and we ourselves need to, to make sure that when we're talking about the, the judicial revolution that's happening, we don't only focus on the override, but I'm happy to, to elaborate on that. I want. I want to. Sh- I was very um, reassured by uh, by Jonathan Green, who said that there is no threat uh, to uh, to minority rights in Israel. It's always good when the majority tells the minority, "Give up your protections. We'll take care of you." Uh, that's very reliable. Uh, but we at ACRI have spent the weeks following the elections mapping the threats to human rights and democracy uh, on all fronts. We've uh, used bills that the incoming coalition members have proposed. In- previous Knessets, we've used the coalition agreements, and we've used position papers by right-wing think tanks that have been feeding uh, coalition members to, to create a map so that we are fully aware and ready to, re- to, to respond to the major- m- multiple threats 
that I will uh, discuss uh, right now. Um, so we're, my, I was assigned with uh, threats to non-Jewish populations in Israel. The first one I want to talk about is the <laughs> asylum seeker population. Israel has about 23,000 asylum seekers from Africa and uh, tens of thousands more from the Ukraine. The Supreme Court has acted many times in, on behalf of, uh, in, in overriding uh, Knesset legislation and on behalf of, of asylum seekers, both in terms of deportation, indefinite imprisonment, and uh, socioeconomic uh, benefits that were taken away from them. Uh, we are very concerned that these laws will resurface if the override is approved. Um, and then I'll, I'll divide my, my points in talking about issue, uh, measures that will threaten democracy and rights for everybody, but will, are really targeting uh, the Palestinian society in Israel and things that are really focused only on Palestinian society within Israel. So we are very concerned about the issues of freedom of expression. We've seen, uh, already we are seeing the chilling effect that this government is having. For example, we are now representing a student in Ben-Gurion University who is facing a disciplinary, disciplinary um, process uh, ahead of expulsion because she quoted a Palestinian student who quoted Mahmoud Darwish in a, an article that he wrote. And in that article, the word Shahid appeared. And that's why she's facing expulsion right now. And so the attempts to curb freedom of expression that have been protected by the court Uh, we are worried that they would happen in the academia, against journalists, and, against, um, and in the education system. The other issue, and we are facing legislation today, is around um, freedom of protest as the authorities of the police are moving from the uh, professional uh, supervision of the chief of police to the minister. And we're looking at all sorts of uh, bills that have been proposed, both in terms of uh, limiting freedom of expression, more arrests of protesters, more surveillance of protesters, and, uh, and police brutality against protesting. All that is on the agenda of the current, uh, of the incoming uh, Minister of National Security. And this is things that he could achieve through legislation, and there will be no way to, to protect uh, freedom of protest if the override law is uh, in place. Another issue that we're worried about is the uh, civil rights organizations and their, uh, and human rights organizations. Betalel um, Smotrich, the incoming minister in the Ministry of Defense, uh, has already called us last week uh, uh, existential threats to the state of Israel. Past bills have attempted to limit the um, funding of the organizations, limit the ability to, to receive or, or raise funds, and this will have, could have a devastating effect on um, organizations If, uh, because our resources are very, very limited. And in this context, it's very important to also mention our colleagues in the West Bank that have been designated uh, terrorist organizations and the government could work against them in a much more brutal way than they have until now. And currently, the organizations that have been designated terrorist organizations are operational. They're doing very important work for human rights in the West Bank, but their offices could be closed, the staff could be arrested, and we are following that very closely. So these are the civil rights organizations and the freedom of uh, protest and freedom of expression would touch upon every minority group in Israel. Um, for instance, freedom of, uh, of protest could also touch upon pride in Jerusalem that has been discussed widely in, in the news. Uh, but it would mostly have impact on, on the Palestinian narrative or the or Palestinian population. Things that would really only if, or focus very directly on, on the Palestinian uh, society in Israel are first are Maybe our chief concern is the issue of political representation. In the past, we've seen, um, following years of 
uh, incitement against the um, rep uh, political representatives of uh, the Palestinian society in Israel. Uh, and the elections process in Israel, I'll go into it in a minute because it's important to understand, the political process in Israel is that once elections are announced, different parties submit their lists, and those lists are approved in a political process by the elections, by the political elections committee that is uh, representative of the majority, uh, of, of, the, of the power division in the Knesset. And in every single election in the past 25 years, Palestinian parties have been disqualified in this process. And in every single election in the past 25 years, the Supreme Court, has, uh, which has judicial oversight, has reversed that decision. We are extremely uh, worried that the judicial oversight will be removed, and so uh, Palestinian society will have no or, or less representation in the Knesset, which would lead to both a huge change in the political map in Israel. And also, we, we know from history that minorities that, are not, that don't have representation are often radicalized. Another issue that has um, been proposed by incoming Knesset members is the um, banning of the Palestinian flag. The Palestinian flag is a symbol of the Palestinian narrative and of the of Palestinian uh, nationality. The Palestinian flag currently is completely legal. Uh, it's been treated by the police as if it's an illegal, but it is completely legal to... Uh, to use, uh, and there, there, are, um, there have been bills and there are currently um, declarations that there is going to be an attempt to, to change that. Um, we're also very worried about the uh, crisis of violence and, and crime in Palestinian society that's been ongoing. Uh, the past Minister of Interior Security has tried to address it and began, but has, certainly there's a long way to go. And we're worried that this crisis will be used in order to to change the law of the Shin Bet, giving uh, the G General Security Service more authority to police um, Palestinian society. There have been uh, calls to do that, giving the Shin Bet the authority to, to oversee policing over civilian society would have disastrous effects. And again, this could be a, a law that there have been declarations that it would change. This could be a change in the law. And if there's no override, there's no way to, for us to, to defend from, uh, from that. So these are the issues that would pertain to a Palestinian society within Israel. In the West Bank, um, we uh, understand that the uh, policy of the incoming government would be to try and evacuate Area C from Palestinians in order to create maximum uh, area of land that has minimum Palestinians on it. Um, the Supreme Court has struck down the uh, expropriation law of Palestinian, private Palestinian land. That was an appeal by ACRI in 2017. We are worried that if, uh, if the override law is passed, then the legislation of expropriation of Palestinian land will return, and this would be the way to, um, to legalize all of the illegal outposts. And there are many different types of legal ways to, to further cement the Israeli control over the West Bank and move it from military occupation to... Um, to a permanent situation. All of these will require legislation, um, which would be recognition, uh, um, uh, facilitating a purchase of land by Jews and um, uh, moving the civil administration into, uh, from the military to government offices. All of these will require legislation, and all of this we will not have tools to work against if we don't have the override law. So as you see, there's no, nothing to worry about in terms of minority rights. Uh, uh, we can all sleep easy. Uh, and, and I think that the, 
this is the time where we see, and, and I've been here in a, an IDI conf, uh, conference in Hebrew this week, and we're seeing how the public support for the court has, has increased since the elections. And I think that the public is now realizing how essential uh, it is for the, for the court to take part in protecting our rights. Uh, and we're already seeing the outcry against the uh, override uh, law. I think it's important for Israelis to do that. I think it's important for uh, people who care about democracy in Israel around the world to voice their concern. And we are, this is a very crucial struggle for Israel, and we are ready for it. Okay, let me ask you, I have to be devil's advocate here uh, to some extent, I think. The advocates of versions of the override law and supporters, I assume, of the incoming coalition, uh, in many cases would say, but this is, these are not um, directives and rulings that we, we want to uh, support, that this is not, these are not aspects of the Israel that we prefer. Um, and we, uh, you know, we've, we've made our decision, and then along come these uh, judges who are, you know, chosen. There's an election process there as well, but they're not elected in the kind of, you know, general public way that the politicians are elected, and they're skewing the will of the people. So, again, I, I, it's a devil's advocate question, but, the, the, you know, the, the, the rights and concerns that you raise are by definition, in many cases, they're minority issues, and the majority doesn't want them. So, so address that, that argument. I think that democracy is comprised of different components. Majority rule is one of them, but it's not the single one, and there is no democracy without protection of minority rights. Uh, the, 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 that democracy does not equal majority rule. It, it equals a whole package that includes majority rule as part of it, but also minority protection. And what the, this current attempt is to only focus on majority rule. And that, that will undermine democracy in very, very dangerous ways. And so I understand that the majority wants to take away rights from the minority. Maybe it always does. But in a democracy, there's always a way for the minority to try and, and defend themselves. And that is the tool that is going to be, is threatened to be taken away from us. And uh, do, you, do you have any empathy for the notion that nonetheless the balance... Uh, um, uh, uh, could merit some adjustment that the court has over-involved itself? Well, we think that the court has under-involved itself. Absolutely. We have a lot of criticism of the court and the lack of uh, what we have seen as unfair uh, ruling in favor of security reasons and against Palestinian rights, for example. Um, but still, we think that the institution is, is the one that we have and we need to protect. So, no. No, I, I do not think that... We are living in a compromise that is skewed towards the majority, even though the majority is complaining. And I don't think that we need to compromise any further. And, and yeah. Give us an example or two of, 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 an ins of, a, of a case or a, a direction where you were um, appearing before the court and to your dismay, um, they were reluctant or chose not to rule uh, in your favor? Um, so uh, a very devastating loss that we had ex we experienced this, uh, this May is a loss in our um, representation of the um, Palestinian community of Masaf al uh, Masaf al is probably the poorest community in the West Bank uh, of uh, uh, farmers, and they, uh, uh, the community lives in caves in the uh, hills of Mount Hebron. And we have, been representing, we have been representing them for 22 years. Our chief legal counsel stood up in court and said, I started this case with young people 
and they now have grandchildren, and we're expecting the court to rule in their favor. Uh, so for 22 years, the uh, court gave an injunction against the ruling of the land that this community has uh, as a firing zone. Um, and we have brought what we thought was ample evidence for the court uh, in terms of the um, uh, tradition of the community for living there for dozens and dozens of years before the, um, um, the military zone was called. And also we brought um, uh, arguments about how uh, under international law, you cannot evacuate um, a community for your own training needs. And we also brought to the attention of the court that Four miles from there, inside the green line, there is a huge firing zone. And even with all these arguments that we thought the, were very sound, the, the court ruled against the community. So I think that there, there are plenty of cases where we are very disappointed with the rulings of the Supreme Court. And still, the Supreme Court is the tool that the minority has to represent itself. Noah, a final word to you. To some extent we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't seen the legislation. We have seen some, some of it starting to make its way through the Knesset, it's true. My, my, my final question to you would be, how do you think the judiciary should handle this and how do you think they will handle this? So first of all, that's, that's a fair warning. What I map to you is a list of threats. It's not a list of mm -hmm. expectations. Right. So any of these things could happen. We're not saying that they will happen, but we're saying we need to be prepared for them. And that's what we're doing. And I think that litigation at this time is, is crucial. Litigation can stop the clock. Litigation can preserve the status quo. And litigation has um, a way of uh, focusing the public discourse and um, inserting the, the relevant names for phenomena and the concretizing the pro problem. So I, I believe that we will be doing a lot of litigation. I, I want to I say two things. First of all, I want to thank you. And I also want to thank you in terms of framing this about cases and stories, because we're going to have a lot of pieces of um, legislation coming forward that will sound very technical. And what you're doing is exactly the right thing, is asking how will this matter to real people? And that's what we have to, to continue to ask ourselves. And I also want to acknowledge that I, I think that some of our viewers who are, you know, lovers of democracy and human rights are feeling pretty terrified at these times. Um, and, I, and I hear that. And I want to say that we have faced difficult times in the past. And we as women, as Jews, as LGBT people, as, minor as people of minorities are now organized, aware, and have more agency than ever in the past to fight against this, um, uh, these anti-democratic measures. And in the long term, I think that as we are united and as we are just, we will be successful. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to this piece of a discussion hosted by the Times of Israel delving into all sides of the looming High Court Override Clause proposal. A thanks to producer Gilad Brownstein and to TOI's own Mick Weinstein. Shalom. <laughs>